from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And uh, this week, it's going to be a quasi-monologue episode. Our producer, who normally does not have a microphone, James Witter, has a microphone this week. Uh, so... Hey, everybody. Say hello to the audience, James. So 130-some-odd episodes now. This is episode 141. Oh, okay. After 140 episodes, <laughs> finally James will be in the air for a moment. Uh, so if this is your first time listening, uh, we talk uh, about all things uh, cybersecurity. Um, we're based out of uh, San Antonio, Texas. If you would like to see a still photo of us recording this, uh, feel free to check out uh, our YouTube page. Uh, where you can uh, listen to this uh, in full and all those other 140 episodes. Uh, or you can go to our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, uh, where we uh, also have uh, all those past broadcasts. Today, uh, if you're going to stick with us on 1200 WAI, uh, we're going to talk uh, some medical data breaches, some new stuff coming out from Apple, lots of just things across the, the Internet security landscape, uh, as you should be thinking about it out there as a, an individual citizen, as a, a business owner or an employee of a company. Um, and then just really, even though as all the way through down to a concerned citizen. So uh, if you follow politics and you may listen to this radio station, if you do that, the second half of the program after the news traffic and weather update, we're going to dive into some articles out there that have been covering uh, why political campaigns are turning down free cybersecurity help. You would think after the 2016 election cycle, if you had real security professionals volunteering to help these campaigns uh, keep your confidential information and mine and theirs and everything safe and also try to help the campaigns uh, figure out and report fake news and the rest of this, you'd think they would want that help. But turns out that's not really always the case, and that's not what's happening. Sometimes free is too good of a deal to be true. Uh, so uh, to learn more about that one, stick with us after the break. If you uh, are going to uh, need to hop out of your car and uh, you won't be able to continue streaming uh, on iHeartRadio via your cell phone or your computer, uh, then you can get the rebroadcast of this uh, in full up on our website and your favorite podcasting service on Tuesday, June the 11th. If you uh, have a favorite podcasting service where you cannot find our program, reach out to us uh, at CyberTalk Radio on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know. We will fix that, and we will get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt for helping us uncover yet another podcasting service uh, out there across the Internet. Starting off, we're going to go uh, straight into uh, medical records, another data breach there. Um, so this is a, a medical testing company, Quest Diagnostics. So if you've had a blood test, uh, chances are maybe uh, you've uh, had that blood test done by someone like Quest or other, other types of tests. Nearly 12 million folks have had some medical testing information, maybe the financial information tied to those tests or uh, the financial information of the way you paid for that test via credit card or your check or um, all of that information exposed. And this is where I'll use uh, this as a, an opportunity just to have a conversation about the different types of data out there. So everyone gets really frustrated when their credit card gets stolen, uh, whether it's in a big data breach from a big box retailer or off of a website that you gave it to that didn't have the security they should. Look, credit cards um, have protection built into them. Uh, if you're using them online, um, use them as a Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover. Use it as a credit card, 
not as a debit card. Um, the, the, if you read the T's and C's and any card provider out there, please tell me I'm wrong on this and that there, there is a debit card that provides the same type of protection a credit card does. I would love to know about that. I would love to know about a bank account uh, and a bank that provides the same protection for debit cards that they do for credit cards. Uh, but part of those, those fees you pay as a, a business owner, those merchant fees go out there to protecting the consumers and protecting you as a business and in these different fraud cases. So, if you use it as a credit card and it's stolen and you report that transaction as fraudulent, you get the money back on your credit card. It's much more difficult to get the money back in your debit card because then generally the money's gone out of your bank account. Similarly, if you pay via uh, a ACH, um, an online digital version of a check, or if you allow a uh, system to have permissions to do a draw from your your checking account. So maybe your mortgage might draw out of your checking account. Maybe if you have certain types of car loans, you got a little bit of a discount for allowing it to draw out of your checking account. Those ones, it's a little bit more difficult to get the money back. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's money uh, and no one likes losing it, but it's money and your credit card number is, is a credit card that can get canceled uh, and you can get a new credit card number and you can go work next week and you can make some more money. On the medical record side of things, so Medical records contain facts, um, and facts are things that are not changeable. You can't, uh, well, except in fake news, maybe you can change facts. We'll <laughs> talk about that in the second half of the program. Uh, but facts are, are things that are true. Uh, like if you, you had a blood test and your cholesterol came back at some certain number on a date, you can't go cancel that. It's not something you can go, you know, that test wasn't really the test. Let's just make up a new test. That doesn't work. So uh, when these medical record breaches happen, a set of information is being turned over to parties that shouldn't have access to that information. And because it's facts, they get to keep it forever. That information has value for them as long as knowing that medical information about you is valuable. And that's likely throughout the whole course of your life, um, especially as uh, you, you have the ability for some of these criminal organizations um, and I'm going to make up a term on the air here. It's probably out there on the internet already. And if it's not, it should be, I'm going to call it data laundering instead of money laundering. Mm. So criminal organizations commit criminal acts. Then they take the money. Everyone's heard of money laundering. You do stuff to make the money clean, and then you can go buy legitimate assets with it. Well, for, if I'm an insurance company, I might like to know a lot of medical information about a different pool of people that I was considering insuring, or maybe I'm already insuring them. And I would like to buy that information through whatever legal sources I can. If, but So if there's a, a criminal organization out there that's been able to gain access to medical information and then they can launder that data through a way where they can show a prospective legitimate buyer of that information uh, a kind of chain of custody and a history of like, look, here's how we really legitimately receive this information. Here's the permission we got from from Joe to um, share this information with you, then you might have an unsuspecting buyer there who's giving money to what flows back through that uh, chain uh, to a criminal organization for the data. Uh, and they're doing it to try to improve their business. And, and your information is getting shared around and sold for value day after day after day out there uh, on the dark web. So when you're trusting an organization to protect facts about you, uh, you, you have to ask them at a different level of care. And if you're a party responsible for custody of facts about your clients, uh, then that information needs to be secured 
at a level above information that is important and valuable, yet um, temporary or transient like a credit card number or even a bank account number where those all can get swapped and changed. With this this medical record one, this is just yet uh, another. Um, I know we, we called out Quest. They're the ones in the news this last week here uh, on the air. They're not the only one to have a breach and they won't be the only one to have a breach on into the future. Uh, I, it's This is one where I, I would wish that I would say, well, this will be the last time that'll happen. Uh, this likely won't be the last time that'll happen, and uh, this will um, impact millions of folks here uh, over the the next few months uh, as you're either having to cancel a credit card or set up identity theft uh, protection to where you're watching your accounts. Um, because inside of, of medical records, again, you, you have some of all this other category of information that is might as well be a fact, like you can change your social security number right. so you can cancel your your social security cards you can get a new one uh and you can get a brand new social security number it's a lot of paperwork it's really complicated and as soon as you do that all those other systems that used your original social security number for validation you're now going to have to explain things to them on why your social security number is different uh all the way through to even like uh, depending on how quickly, like if you changed your social security number and then immediately went to renew your driver's license, you may have to explain to the state you live in why your social security number is different now. Um, if you are traveling uh, and in and out of a, a country, that country may look, even though you've got a valid U.S. passport and they're going to look, you're going to have to go get your passport reissued potentially because when the records of that first one got issued, it had a certain social security number. So changing some of those pieces of information is really painful. Um, and the criminals know this. And so they'll go use your, your birth date and your address, which was likely there in that medical information stored along with it. So you got my cholesterol level, but you also got my, my date of birth, my address, um, my social security number, and all of a sudden you start to go through these things. Now that's enough to, I don't know, apply for a, a payday advance loan, like enough to apply for all sorts of different things online. Um, it doesn't take very many of those pieces of information. Uh, so this is an, another uh, kind of uh, flip-flop on this. If you're not the consumer, uh, but you're a, a system, um, and a, a, whether a creditor, a bank, uh, w whatever, um, if you ask folks to validate who they are by their birth date and their social security number. If these are the, the facts that someone's supposed to know um, in order to prove that they are person X, Y, or Z, um, chances are for most uh, adult Americans, because of the number of data breaches out there, your name, your current address, maybe even multiple previous addresses, your social security number, uh, all of those things are all available through a dark web data broker. As you, you go through all those things, um, they're not a great way to validate that a person really is who they say they are. Um, this is, is one where uh, the security across all these areas, the regulators, I feel, are, are falling behind on this. Um, and it's one of why an identity theft credit notification service is useful. Because if somebody goes and takes a home equity line of credit out in my name, um, if I catch it immediately and you see that alert, you can call up and probably get that wire transfer stopped before it funds. If you notice it six months later when you go to try to get a car loan or try to get a home equity line of credit yourself, the money's going to be gone by then because um, they will have gone and opened up a fake bank account in your name and they, they might actually get that home equity line of credit on the house you actually live in. Uh, but they went and got a new bank account under your name. 
uh, and that money will have flown through those accounts before you you notice it. And uh, you may think, Brett, this is all drama. You're crazy. This stuff never happens. Uh, if you you check our our past uh, episodes of CyberTalk Radio, we've uh, had a, a number of attorneys on, um, some that that deal specifically with these type of situations, and uh, there have been uh, title companies that have had. Uh, full wire transfers of a, a home closing, um, that whole amount to pay off a mortgage uh, that went uh, right to the wrong account and went right out of the country. Um, and so you, you had somebody who bought a house, you had the seller that thought they sold it, and they did legally sell it, but the seller didn't get to pay off their mortgage because that money got wired to the wrong place. So the seller still has a mortgage on the property, the new buyer sort of has a mortgage on the property, but the new buyer's bank is not real happy about how this whole thing went down because, um, and then there's ends up a big messy dispute there. So uh, this stuff does happen. We've talked about it uh, on CyberTalk Radio. You can uh, go to our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, there's an episode search button up there. If you put in Langley, uh, L-A-N-G-L-E-Y, uh, you'll find the program where we talked with Job and uh, some of the other uh, folks uh, from the firm uh, about this specifically one. He was the attorney on that that case itself. Going off that, if you look at the leak from Quest, it's itemizing all these things you would need for a home loan. Uh, credit card number, bank account information, social security number, personal. Like, what else do you need for a home loan? It's Not it's, much. it's like the recipe. So it's just disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. And this is why, like, when you, you look at the value of these different uh, assets on the dark web a complete medical record sells for uh, for a, a, an American a, adult uh, depending on like the real completeness and quality of it uh, somewhere between 10 and 50 bucks a medical record it seems low yeah like with with the amount of fraud you could do with that now but uh, yeah. like a, a credit card number for a valid card that can show like proof of of successful testing uh, over the last uh, 30 days um, in small amounts, they might sell for a dollar, two dollars, five dollars if it's a like a platinum card of wow. some sort. Uh, but in bulk, you can buy credit cards out there for ten cents, twenty-five cents if you're buying them a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand or a million of them at a time. Uh, so medical records are much higher valued because they contain facts; they can't just get canceled, um, and they, they know that there's information that's going to have value from now until. Uh, the end of the end of each of our days anyways that's a great racket for somebody with no ethics yeah well and, and that's I mean some of the challenges these days is that it used to require a whole bunch of fancy security skills to actually mm. commit crimes online but now it just requires some startup capital and no ethics because uh, you can buy tools out there um, mm -hmm. just like if, if any in the non-cybercrime world criminals get a little bit of money and they go buy a gun well, they buy a digital version of a gun and then they can go commit a new right. set of crimes with that yeah um, and they hire a getaway driver and like there's digital equivalents of all these different sure. sorts of things uh, and you, you get to where uh, online uh, these folks are uh, building up that bankroll and that bankroll enables them to take on bigger and more complicated criminal uh, jobs. So the tools are there. It's just it takes somebody with aptitude to do something good or something really bad with them. Yeah. Uh, so it's, we've uh, opened up with a little bit of uh, the dark side there of uh, what's going on out there, kind of a, your history about medical records. So 
what are some of the things that you can do uh, to make your life better so these things don't happen to you? Well, there's two good announcements uh, for Microsoft and Apple over the, the course of the last few weeks as well. So uh, the first one is uh, Microsoft finally catching up with NIST and many of the other folks that have recommended to end password rotation. So here, there's a long historical um, computer trend that every 60 days you should change your password or every 90 days you should change your password. This is a terrible idea. So now, um, the reason it was originally put in place is back um, when this happened is that people would gain access to what's called your password hash, which is a, a cryptographic way to store something that can prove, is this my password or not my password without actually storing the password. And given enough time and computing power, you can brute force that hash and you can keep guessing combinations until you can find out, is this hash a certain password or not? And so you would set these password rotations up so that even if a criminal was able to obtain the hashes, that you would rotate the password before the hash could get cracked. Um, nowadays, by the way, uh, there's tools out there and with cloud computing and the general purpose GPUs, uh, you can crack these things very quickly um, with SSDs and the dropping price of RAM. Um, it's more affordable now than ever to build something called a rainbow table, uh, which massively speeds up your, your password cracking uh, even further. Um, and this is even with, and I might have somebody listening is going to tweet at me and go, we've got salted bcrypt, blah, 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 and all of our passwords <laughs> are 64 characters, so it's going to take forever to crack them. Yeah, well, newsflash, that might be for you, and that might work well, um, and that's great, and it's great you stored bcrypt hashes. Um, I'm going <laughs> to venture a guess that most of the times when you type passwords into a certain system out there on the Internet right now, they're not using something as safe as bcrypt to store that hash um, might still be you know, things you don't want to talk about um, that are m much easier to uh, process passwords against. And uh, while you might be using 64 character passwords yourself, um, most of the other folks logging into whatever system it is that's compromised are not using a 64 character password. And with those shorter passwords, uh, the rotation is not an effective way to deal with that anymore. Um, if somebody, and this is why you'll see um, these data breach announcements about password hashes getting out there, you should just immediately change your passwords when that happens. Um, and you should be picking a 32 or 64 character password or whatever the longest thing that system will let you pick. And you should be using a password manager to store all of those so you don't have to remember them anymore. Um, if anyone only has one computer they have to log into and one password they have to memorize, um, you're not using the internet to its full potential uh, for <laughs> it's sure. It's just not the world we live in anymore. It's not the world we live in anymore, no. Um, and many of these different places that you, you log in um, require you to do different things. That some places will require you to um, have a uppercase, lowercase, a number, and a punctuation. Other places won't allow you to use punctuation. Um, by the way, that's always a giant red flag for me. If the password service will not allow me to use punctuation in the password, whatever app I'm logging into, it means that I'm not actually encrypting the password and hashing it on my computer and just sending them the hash. It means that that punctuation is likely getting sent maybe through an encrypted tunnel to them, and then they're doing something with the other side. 
Because if you were typing in a bunch of characters, including punctuation, on your computer, and then you were hashing it in a way the hashes don't have punctuation in them like uh and that hash is then getting sent through to the password service they're never going to see the punctuation it doesn't make any difference uh and and if they wrote client-side code that runs on my computer that stops it from using me from using punctuation on my own computer uh, that's just bad there's i mean this is we could give, catch up with me somewhere around town off air we can talk <laughs> a lot more about that but it's just not a good thing to do um and and so yeah with this um now microsoft is following um the recommended guidelines and this is huge because there are still more windows computers out there than than any other type of computer and so for them removing the 60-day password expiration policy on windows 10 from the security baseline uh, is is a big deal um, this is going to improve everyone's security because now we can start having the conversation about what we should is that if you see a notice about your password being breached or passwords on that system being breached, then you should go change that password and potentially um, other ones just immediately. Now, when, when you can couple this with uh, Apple's new privacy and security feature, uh, so Apple's uh, releasing a new single sign-on feature that allows you to use unique email addresses for every different service you sign up because generally so if i've got 40 different things that i'm signed up with on the internet um, my login name is my email address on most of those services and so if you if i'm using the same password and i'm not but you should you might be out there so we're just using me as an example but if you are and you have this little voice in your head of oh goodness i'm using the same login and the same password because you've got the same username which is your email and the same password on multiple systems as soon as hackers get that, they go run it across all these different systems mm. to to try to see how many they can gain access to. If you have a unique email address on every different system, even if they have, even if you have the same password, which you shouldn't, um, but a lot of folks are going to keep doing that, even though we're going to tell them it's a terrible security idea. If Apple can make it easy for them to have a different username on every system, then even if they're using the same password, which by the way, I'm going to say again, not a good idea. But if you're doing it, please do it using the Apple seeing on sign on feature so that at least it starts to get really complicated for attackers to now guess the Apple privacy email ID for each of your different logins. You're listening to CyberTalk Radio, and we're headed into a bottom of the hour break here on 1200 WAI. If you uh, are listening to us via podcasting service, it will skip straight through that break. If you're listening to us on the radio, uh, you will get a news, traffic, and weather update. For those of you listening on a podcasting service, uh, if, if this is your first time, thank you very much for tuning in. If you are a subscriber, thank you for subscribing. We're uh, out there, uh, active on Facebook and Twitter, at uh, CyberTalk Radio. No spaces on either of those platforms, and you can uh, tag us in post, uh, contact us, let us uh, know what you like about the program, what you don't like, uh, which podcasting service you subscribe from. Uh, you would think in the, the era of all this data collecting on the Internet that we would get great stats from um, the different podcasting services. No, we get almost nothing from most of them. Uh, and the, as much as we talk about Apple and their privacy, iTunes gives us a little bit better stats. They, they give us some aggregate listener information, subscriber information. Uh, they don't give us, I don't know who you are. We couldn't email you or anything else like that. Uh, so, if, yeah, you wanted to find out what's going on with the show, uh, you can contact us as well uh, on the website, www.cybertalkradio.com. If you'd like to be a guest, uh, there's a form to fill out there. Um, 
And when we uh, get back from this news, traffic, and weather update, uh, or pop back to the break on the podcasting service, we're going to talk uh, about a uh, number of uh, cybersecurity professionals have reached out to political campaigns uh, offering to volunteer their services. After the 2016 election hacking stuff, there's many folks with high ethics that uh, want to make campaigns safer so we can have a reliable democracy. And uh, we're going to dive in and talk about uh, how that's going. And the short version is not well. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And uh, this week, uh, we're talking about some current events news. Uh, For those of you that were with us in the first half of the program, thank you very much for listening and sticking with us through that break. Uh, We're going to get to our topic for this half of the program, which is uh, cybersecurity for our upcoming 2020 elections. And uh, a bunch of news articles out there about it recently. Uh, for those that uh, just uh, hopped in your car here uh, after that news traffic and weather update and uh, wondered what you stumbled into, uh, we're a weekly program uh, talking about cybersecurity. Uh, you can find us uh, on every podcasting service out there on the Internet. You can find us uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com or on both Facebook and Twitter at CyberTalkRadio with no spaces. Uh, so, you can listen. It'll go up on our website on Tuesday, June the 11th, uh, and all those podcasting services, uh, the rebroadcast of this. So that first half of the program, uh, we talked about a medical data breach uh, from a company called Quest Diagnostics and other nearly 12 million records exposed and went into some of the deep dive, the difference between uh, different types of records and data breaches and how you should think about that as a consumer. Uh, and the medical records, uh, newsflash, are the really bad ones to get exposed. Uh, so you can... If you didn't hear it, uh, tune in, uh, go to that website on Tuesday uh, or your podcasting service, find CyberTalk Radio there and uh, start listening to the program. And then we we also talked about some good news, uh, both Microsoft and Apple making um, some substantial security enhancements uh, to uh, their products uh, with uh, Windows 10 and Apple's new iOS 13. Uh, the single sign-on feature, the Apple login that they're building out is going to allow you to use unique email addresses for uh, different apps and services. So in the event that your your email account is, which is kind of public information, it's hard to hide your email address. So that gives attackers the ability they can go around a bunch of different services if they know your email address and they can see if you have an account there. They can just hit the reset button and you can get a bunch of password reset emails. Like uh, there's a thing on the internet called doxing, um, which is like where they'll put some information out there about you and then um, the internet mob will do all sorts of things to make your life difficult. Uh, And I mean, imagine that 
a bunch of people are going to every different service on the internet and, and putting in your email address and trying passwords until your account gets locked or hitting the reset button and now your password's been reset on every service on the internet. Like all of these sorts of things can take you days and weeks to go dig yourself back out of. Um, and it takes the mob a few minutes to execute them, and then they're back on whatever channel they're on, and they're all giggling and laughing and saying they're done, and they've made that person's life miserable. Uh, yeah, it's not just the days anymore of somebody ordering 100 pizzas to your house. I mean, that was the, the kind of thing that used to happen, but now um, these folks are doing stuff that is, is much harder to go dig back out of. Um, other ones, as we, we talked with the different types of information in a medical record, I mean, imagine the internet mob applying for a thousand different car loans with each different bank and credit union all across the internet because they've got your name and your address and phone number. Imagine what that does to your credit report as all of a sudden it's starting to ding credit inquiry, credit inquiry, credit inquiry over and over and over again as you try to apply for a bunch of car loans all across the internet. Um, yeah, this type of stuff happens. You're like, Brett, you shouldn't talk about this on the radio. I can hear somebody out there right now in their car. They're like, it's irresponsible to talk about this. No the bad guys already know all these things I'm talking about. As I share them with with you, uh, our listening audience, it gives you a chance to be aware of some of the things that are actually happening out there. So if these unfortunate things start happening to you, you're not blindsided. You're not, oh my goodness, what is this? Like, whoever thought of this? You, you'll be, hey, you know what? I was listening to that CyberTalk radio and these, these guys talked about these different things that happened and it sounds like now I'm the victim of this. Uh, so... Uh, diving into that that second half of the program topic. So you go, you know what, back in 2016, we had the, the Democratic National Committee, their email got compromised. These emails ended up out there on uh, the WikiLeaks website. Uh, and uh, you, you have um, other campaigns that reported security incidents and, and all sorts of things, uh, whether it was up to the point where confidential things were leaked out on a, a site um, in a damaging way or whether information was just compromised and stayed behind the scenes and was used to uh, manipulate or uh, change things uh, that you, you didn't see in kind of the, the broad daylight uh, as with what happened with the, the DNC and their email situation. So uh, lots of, of great cybersecurity professionals out there with, with high ethics, and they said, you know what, we can't allow this to happen again in 2020. So they started reaching out to their, their local political parties. They started reaching out to their the national committees. They started reaching out to individual candidates saying, hey, we would like to volunteer for your campaign. We would like to provide you free services. Um, some of them even said, hey, you know what? I'm the CEO of a company that builds security tools. And we would like to give your campaign these tools for free. We would like to give you free security things to take care of your campaign. Well, um, this is where uh, good intentions in the law uh, run into an intersection and create problems. Um, so... Even if like if it's a campaign, you could go through and you could vet and you could validate that this is a good person and that they really are doing this out of the kindness of their heart. And I'll, I'll come into a separate scenario here in a, a few more minutes if you stick with us. Uh, but the the Federal Election Commission kind of came in and said, hey, you know what, if, if this is a $50,000 cybersecurity tool and you're giving it to a campaign, that's a $50,000 donation to the political campaign. Uh, so... 
uh, you, you start to run up against different uh, political campaign election contribution laws and rules. Um, and it's it's one thing on the volunteering. Yes, you can go f- volunteer to campaign. You can donate your time and you can dial out in a phone bank. You can go block walk. You can put up signs around town for them. You can help them take signs down. There's all sorts of things that you're allowed to do under a, a gift and a volunteer to the campaign. Um, and then there's other activities that maybe you, you can't actually just give that to a campaign. Like if you uh, run a, a marketing agency, uh, you probably can't have your whole creative team working on advertising slogans and logos and catchphrases and drafting article contents and doing lots of like real work for the campaign and just giving that work to a campaign without charging them for it. Um, so this is, it crosses over kind of volunteering to at some point where even if it's not monetary money directly going to a campaign in cash, you have to give in-kind services. And this is where... I'm not an attorney, so I'm not going to get into exactly where all those lines get drawn and how. Um, but this is where some of the these conversations have gone. It's like, whoa, hey, you can't give these valuable services or these valuable tools to a campaign without the campaign paying for it. Um, so uh, because of this, where I think we're starting to see um, some legislation being proposed in Congress, like do we change what type of volunteering you're allowed to do for a campaign? Do we change that like certain things are going to be exempt from in-kind campaign? Um, so if, if you, you want to see um, cybersecurity professionals and cybersecurity vendors to be able to donate um, software to campaigns, if you want to be able to see them donate real consulting hours and advisory and policy design hours and the rest of the things, um, reach out to your congressperson. Uh, let them know that you, you would like to see the, the election campaign contribution laws changed. Uh, so that's kind of one route on this. Uh, and then the, the second route is, say I'm Joe, and I'm Joe, the campaign manager for for uh, Julia, who's running for, for Congress this in this cycle. And um, somebody named, oh, I don't know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go with, with uh, Alice. And in the cybersecurity world, there's always Alice and Bob, um, but we'll have, we'll have uh, Joe, the campaign manager, Julia, the person running for Congress here, and we'll have... Alice that calls up Joe and Alice says, hey, I'm a cybersecurity professional and I, I want to be really helpful. Joe has to go, is Alice really just a campaign follower? Does does she really want to do good? Is she actually um, malicious? Does she actually back the, the other candidate, Bob? So Julia may be running against Bob. Does she actually back Bob in the campaign and wants to come in here and create technological mischief inside of our campaign maybe it's criminal maybe it's not criminal maybe she knows where that line is um and so like how do you trust to allow someone to come into your campaign on a volunteer basis and do cybersecurity things system administration level things it's a a tricky one to walk down you go well you know what let's background check alice and we'll see that alice has supported our political party for the last 20 years and we can see that she's given campaign contributions to julia in the last election cycle and and we can see that that we go out there and look at her social media profiles and she's actively talking about supporting our party and all the rest of this and you go okay well it looks like julia probably doesn't support bob or if she does she's been doing a really bad job of supporting bob um now you go well we should be able to trust julia well maybe not uh 
So you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and uh, we're talking uh, about election security, donating cybersecurity services to campaigns. If you uh, just hopped in your car right now and uh, wondered what this was, that's what you, you are listening to. And uh, as we, we go through uh, this, uh, if you wanted to hear the whole program on the first half where we, we talked about some updates from Microsoft and Apple and a new medical big data breach with over uh, 11 million records, almost 12 million uh, records uh, in a, a recent data breach, you can go to our website at www.cybertalkradio.com uh, on Tuesday, June the 11th, uh, or you can go to your favorite podcasting service uh, where this episode and then our, our previous 140 will be uh, posted up there uh, along with this. This is uh, episode number 141. And uh, James, your shirt says VHS is happiness. Yeah, it's still 1987 in my heart. Yes. <laughs> so I was I was over at, at uh, someone's office helping them get some stuff moved around and set up, and they, they have a VCR and a CRT tube TV and everything in there. Perfect. Still today, still using it. Yeah. Yeah. I still have mine. Yeah. In my bedroom. Every night. Every night you watch on VHS because you like nothing other than the lo-fi. It's Absolutely. Not, not, not HD, not 4K. Who needs all that? And not Apple's stuff. new 6K monitor either. No, no, absolutely not. You you could buy you could probably buy all the v, the working VHS VCRs left in the world for one of those prices. The Apple monitors, <laughs> possibly, possibly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, back to our cybersecurity. Uh, Alice, she's donating her services to the campaign. We found out that Alice has had this profile out there on the internet. And she's actually given money to Julia's campaign for for the few election cycle. She's actively supports the party and everything else on the internet. And you go, you know what? We we could trust Alice. Uh, this looks trustworthy. We background checked her; it all comes back clean. Then you go, well, maybe is it really clean, or is she actually just an undercover foreign operative, and she's looking to get into Julia's campaign because it's a national campaign. Julia's running for Congress and. This is a way that eventually Alice is going to work her way up to maybe a Senate campaign, maybe to a uh, state governor campaign and get involved in more of these campaigns, get involved in the party at a, a, a deeper level to uh, either subvert future campaigns uh, or uh, change messages inside the campaign. Because if you have administrative access to all the technology systems so you can secure them, you could also... Um, do the equivalent of fake news inside of the you could spoof an email from the campaign manager to the the field volunteers and so this operative could be looking to get long term build up a reputation with the party and maybe they they do support julia and they'll do that to get to the ultimate bigger goal of undermining a presidential election in 2024 or 2028 somewhere out onto the future so for these these political campaigns this idea of a gift of free cybersecurity actually starts to get much more complicated than it than it sounds at first blush. You're like, oh, I don't understand why these campaigns aren't just taking this free cybersecurity help. Uh, it's not an easy thing, and it, it's going to be uh, one where as all of our campaign contribution um, go digital, where you're, you're donating online now via websites, um, and cam- candidates are raising all their money over the Internet, as most of us are consuming news, even if it's from a traditional newspaper most folks are consuming that news now via that newspaper's website or the, that newspaper's daily email uh, that shows up and maybe they do a breaking news in the afternoon in your email box 
Um, it's not the physical copy of the paper anymore. These these digital messages are becoming critical to the spread of information in a democracy. And so we're, we're not going to be able to go shut it off. You can't have an uninformed electorate. Um, but you it, it's one where uh, we're going to have to figure out uh, how this works and stays in a safe manner. Um, for, for those listening uh, on 1200 WAI here in the, the Bear County and San Antonio uh, area, if you wanted to wonder about, well, how the heck are the Bear County elections secured? Uh, we had Bear County Election Commissioner Jackie Cal Allen on the program. Uh, and, and I grilled her for the, a full hour, uh, <laughs> went through and asked everything uh, from your ballot at the when you cast it at your polling location all the way through to how is it counted? How are they rolled up to the state? How are they rolled up nationally? And uh, they're doing an excellent job here. I was uh, really uh, impressed uh, with with her, with her answers and uh, with what we're doing. Um, I know if you, you follow along and you're really into all this election security stuff, you, you may have seen um, at DEF CON where all these uh, voting machines were all hacked. Um, and, by and children. They had, yeah, by children. Yeah. Um, yeah, the election machines, some of them are running unpatched Windows XP. Um, mm-hmm. but this And, and I'm, I've talked about this in a, a couple of other episodes as well. Uh, even if you have something that is vulnerable, that vulnerable thing can be protected with other controls around it. So um, as you, you start to to take a vulnerable, whether that's a paper ballot or a digital ballot, even if it's th- that individual thing is, is vulnerable, if you treat it like a baby bird and you, you protect it and uh, watch over it and all those sorts of things, you can keep it in a way where it's still uh, – the integrity of it is, is protected. Um, each vote is counted correctly, uh, and the opportunity for tampering uh, doesn't exist. And um, if you, you follow some of these uh, TV shows that uh, that do uh, political elections and other things, uh, it used to be the, the Good Wife, and they talked about tampering on that. And now they've they've gone on through to the uh, the Good Fight, which is uh, available via the the CBS streaming app. Uh, that one got all the way into where there was a political operative group that was putting malware into the actual election machines and like mm-hmm. so that was what was going on and uh, they went through all sorts of hypotheticals on that program uh, in there and and that type of stuff from my conversations with uh, uh, our Bear County election commissioner would be very 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 difficult you never want to say impossible but um, there's lots of things I wake up as a cybersecurity professional and worry about um, our election getting tampered with in bear county is not one of them uh yeah much more worried about who has all the copies of my medical records and where they're at right uh so yeah with this uh election piece i know there's maybe some legislation that's getting discussed i don't think it's going to come out here uh and in time for the 2020 election uh so it's going to be one that's that's challenging and i think so there's just the actual direct hacking of the campaigns uh where confidential information is going to get exposed or uh, someone's going to get into the campaign and tamper with their polling tamper with the machinery of the campaign so maybe they don't expose information but they make the campaign less effective they mess up the block walking assignments there's all sorts of things that you could do as a, a criminal inside of a campaign to make it run less effective and when you're trying to coordinate a whole bunch of volunteers it's already complicated to successfully run a campaign 
and keep track of who's doing what. And so it only it, one malicious person with administrative access could wreak a lot of havoc. And so as, as you, you go from, from that uh, through to, yeah, do they siphon off campaign donations? Because even for local elections now, um, the, the campaigns are taking money over the Internet. Uh, doesn't not hard to think that criminals are going to get in to try to do that. So you get out of the direct uh, campaigns themselves into the, the news here. Uh, and online, you, you go, you know what, back in, in 2016 during that election cycle, I should have noticed that these Twitter accounts aren't real. Like, that's the same profile photo across a thousand different Twitter accounts, and they're all <laughs> saying the same thing in support of one party or another. Right. Um, or it's the same set of seven photos, or they use the same six words in a, a phrase. Well, mm-hmm. um, the the bad news on this, folks, is if you thought it was bad in 2016, um, I don't want to sound super pessimistic here, it's going to be worse in 2020. So uh, you can look out there across the, the Internet these days uh, with the um, – artificial intelligence and machine learning and now the systems are able to create life accurate new faces life accurate new bodies and people so like they can be a facebook profile that gets faked and it's going to be like really challenging for facebook to figure out who these fake profiles are because it used to be facebook could go deploy things and go you know what if if alice and julia have exactly the same profile photo one of them has a photo that's not themselves. Right. Um, and I mean, this is like one as well, like services like Facebook and Twitter, your profile photo doesn't actually have to be you. You're like, people are allowed to make your profile photo. Like in, in new England, I will guarantee there's a whole bunch of people's profile photo. That's a picture of Tom Brady. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they probably all wish he's running for office, but he's not. He's going to be back quarterbacking the New England Patriots again uh, this this coming fall instead of running for for public office. But uh, so it's hard for those services. But now for you, even trying to go check and vet these things, the person's face, and like you can easily take these and photo accurately Photoshop them into different situations. So mm-hmm. it's it's one now where. Um, it, it, it used to be where you could kind of see a little cut and paste of somebody's face onto someone else's body. Not so much anymore. Um, so it's it, very easy for the the malicious folks out there to make a believable, real-looking Facebook timeline. Um, and they've had years to make these timelines as well. So you're like, well, if they just popped up and I can see all the posts in the last two weeks, then I know that, that this is a fake account. It's not the case here, though. Like, these profiles have been running out there as a bot for years so they look just like other profiles and for the the folks at facebook and twitter i assure you you everyone goes they just want more fake accounts that gives them more users and more money and all the rest of this they don't want more of that i mean they they had enough um with the the regulation and the all of the investigation stuff after the last election they don't want more of it going into this one uh, and I, I think that as this stuff continues to chip away at the integrity and trust on their platforms, uh, it's going to get folks where they could tune out completely and they, they run the risk of going from a trusted source to an untrusted source. And as soon as they're a completely untrusted source, the advertisers are going to stop buying ads on their platforms and uh, it's all going to go downhill pretty quickly. So they don't want this stuff, but it's, it's challenging um, to figure out what's fake and what's not fake. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can see there's a, a video up on YouTube of President Barack Obama mm-hmm. saying all sorts of outlandish things in yep. Barack Obama's voice. Looks like him, I think, sitting at the Oval Office when I watched. It. I think yes. he was sitting in the Oval Office. 
uh, by the way, this video was made after he was done being president. Um, so he was, this came out, um, in the last couple of years mm -hmm. here, um, looks absolutely like him, uh, down to the lighting, down to everything. Like in, and maybe if you're a cyber forensic video investigator, you could look at some traces of things, but now even seeing video, which has got physical movements and the audio, uh, along with it is not proof that it's actually real. Right. That was that was a deep fake uh, created with Jordan Peele, which has a great who, who has a great Obama impersonation. And so uh, he put it out to the world as sort of a cautionary tale. Yeah. Warning people about this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this this next election, it's going to be really challenging to figure out what's real and what's not real. And now imagine you're you go, you know what? Well, I'm just going to read the, the New York Times. I'm going to read the Washington Post. I'm going to read the Wall Street Journal. And that stuff's going to be real. Well, if you imagine you're a reporter for one of those, now you, you get this leaked video of a mm -hmm. political campaign and you're sending it over to your teams and your team's trying to validate, like, is this the biggest story of the campaign or is this fake news? And am I going to be the reporter at a tier one news outlet that publishes the fake news or if i'm at cnn or one of the the msnbc or fox news if i'm at one of the tv stations and i get a video of one of the political campaigns or one of the candidates in a political campaign out there am i going to be the one that runs the video that is that fake video of the politician or is this going to be a real video of them that needs to be shared with the electorate so that they're informed uh, not going to be easy to figure all this out and we won't solve it in the next 15 seconds. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for tuning in to CyberTalk radio. Uh, check out our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, and if, uh, you, uh, did stick with us through the whole program today, uh, it was wonderful. Uh, thanks for donating the hour of your time to, uh, listen, learn, and be part of our audience. Uh, you can uh, get the full, uh, rebroadcast of this and replay on our website or on your favorite podcasting service. It'll go up on Tuesday, June the 11th. If you did join us via one of those podcasting services, we uh, appreciate you doing that. Uh, please subscribe and then let us know on Facebook or Twitter or the uh, fan comment box on our website uh, that you are subscribing and which uh, types of programs uh, you want to hear more from us uh, in the future. Uh, we go all the way through uh, ones like today, uh, as well as uh, covering uh, Cyber Patriot, which is a cybersecurity team sport for kids, uh, on up through to uh, talking to the former uh, chief technology officer of the CIA, uh, political uh, folks that uh, understand cybersecurity, and much, much more. So, uh, James, thank you for sharing your voice uh, on the air with us this week a little bit and uh, making my monologue not quite a whole monologue. <laughs> it's always fun. Thanks. <laughs>